the reading of the scriptures from Jude, verses 20 to 23. So I invite your reverent hearing of the word of God here in Jude. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garments stained by the flesh. The uh, overarching context of uh, this brief little epistle is uh, one really of uh, unprecedented danger in uh, the life of the church. Uh, We oftentimes don't think in those terms, but if you recall back uh, first couple of verses, uh, Jude is warning his people of danger, uh, and the reason is uh, the church has been invaded. Uh, You ever think in those terms of the church being invaded by uh, false teachers? That's precisely what uh, Jude is uh, speaking to his church about. The vast majority of this text is he's describing what the invaders look like. The last few verses, he turns upon the church and tells them how they're to respond. He tells us, in light of this unprecedented danger, in light of the fact that we've been invaded, how should we respond? Uh, The uh, first response uh, to this danger was in verses 17 to 19. Uh, Nothing more than the fact that we are to hold fast Uh, the truth of the Scriptures. Uh, We cannot uh, give way. Uh, We uh, cannot give in. We cannot redefine the truth of the Scriptures. Uh, I like it in the context of uh, the overarching power of verse 3, that we have been given a faith once for all delivered to the saints. Our charge is to keep it and to pass it on to successive generations. This is really a relevant, incredibly relevant topic in light of uh, uh, the Daily Oklahoman Sunday edition. Reminds us over again of a great danger uh, morally in terms of the life of the church. How do we respond to moral danger? Uh, We sometimes think in terms of that doesn't affect us. Well, no, it affects our entire culture. And not only does it affect our culture, it's come into the church. And so these massive, large denominations are arguing over exactly what Jude is writing about. How do we respond? Well, verse 17, remember the words spoken by the apostles. Remember the deposit of the faith given to us, that we take the baton, we do not change it, we do not paint over it, we do not drop it, we simply pass it on Uh, the faith once for all delivered to the saints. The second response is uh, where we are this morning, uh, beginning in verse 20. Uh, The first part of this uh, paragraph is dealing with those who have been unaffected uh, by the invaders. Again, verses 20 to 21. Uh, This is, uh, if you will, in every church there is a body of true believers How are they to respond to this uh, moral danger that's invaded the church? Uh, 
1 John chapter 2, verse 19, the apostle says of uh, danger in his own church uh, that they went out from us because they were not of us. Uh, and so it is a reminder that the church oftentimes is a mixed company. Uh, John writes of that. Uh, there's a beautiful illustration of this in the ministry of our Lord, John chapter 6, verse 66. He's been teaching some very difficult theology. Verse 66 uh, says, as a result of this, many of his disciples were no longer following after him. They separate themselves from Christ. Uh, so again, uh, it is this tragic reminder that even the company of our Lord had been invaded, uh, not only in Judas, but many false disciples. Uh, his teaching drives them away. Uh, here, uh, we are speaking from the words of Jude as to how uh, people who understand the deposit of the faith are to respond properly. Uh, they are, as I've described them, the unaffected by the false uh, teachers. Uh, the controlling verb of verse 20 and 21 uh, is uh, found in the 21st verse. Uh, keep yourselves. We have to wade through some participles, but the main verb that controls this section is the fact that we are to keep ourselves. It is a command. Uh, it's instructive to me in a very beautiful sense of the grace of God. Uh, that in the sovereignty of God, God's people are kept. Uh, our Lord's high priestly prayer, John 17, verse 15. Uh, the high priest, Jesus Christ, is praying to the Father uh, for his people. Uh, and he prays that God would keep them from the evil one. Uh, we oftentimes wonder, do we not? Well, how come I'm kept? Because God is keeping you because the high priest has prayed that God the Father would keep you. Uh, Revelation chapter 3, verse 10. Uh, our Lord is speaking of a righteous company within the church. And he says to this righteous company, because you have persevered in my name, uh, I am praying that God would keep you from the hour of testing uh, that will come upon the whole earth. You and I are living in the time of the hour of testing. How is it that we keep and many fall away? Because Christ prays for us and his prayers are always answered. Uh, but my favorite, while the verb is different, it's my favorite verse on this subject, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, that we are kept by the power of God. That is what is between us and defecting from the faith. Uh, that is the difference between us and uh, the moral revolution that's occurring in so many churches. That by the power of a sovereign, omnipotent God, he keeps his own from defecting, from falling away. But again, this is not our subject this morning. It's a reminder of the grace of God, God's power, God's sovereignty to keep his people. Uh, but we brace uh, what is a duty a uh, duty that each of us as Christians have, that uh, in verse 21, we are to keep ourselves in the love of God. Uh, in the midst of danger, how do we respond? That's what Jude is telling the church to do. Keep yourself in the love of God. Uh, the modifier that follows the imperative uh, means uh, our love for God. 
Uh, of course, once again, uh, we uh, need to be reminded of the majesty of the love of God for us, that it is eternal and immutable. Uh, I love the words in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, that we love God because he loved us first. Uh, it's a powerful description of the reason that we love God. You should ask yourself, why is it that I love God and so many of my friends and colleagues at work or perhaps uh, neighbors on the street where I live, how is it that I love God and uh, perhaps so many don't? Well, John tells us, because God loved you first. His love ran you to ground. His love treed you, captured you, uh, keeps you and protects you. Uh, but this is, uh, uh, this is our love for God as an effect of his love for us. God loves us and we're to love him in return. Uh, last week we looked at uh, the great Shema of Israel, uh, that we are in the word of God to be loyal to God with all of our hearts, all of our minds, and all of our souls, everything about us, everywhere, all the time, and to everyone, we're to keep uh, the word of God and we're to love God. We're to be loyal to God. And this is that response. It's what John is, uh, pardon me, Jude is telling us, uh, that we're to keep ourselves in the love of God. Illustration of that in John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, you keep my commandments. You cannot really divide the two. Uh, we know that God loves us. It's eternal, immutable, never changing. It's the power that preserves and keeps us faithful uh, but we are to return in like mind and in like manner, even though our love for him is less than immutable and total. Uh, but one of the ways we express our love for God, we keep ourselves in love with God as we keep his commandments. Now, once again, uh, the commandments of God are found everywhere in the scriptures. Uh, it's not a cafeteria. It's not left to us to pick and choose what we want to do. It is simply an expression of our love for God that we keep his commandments. Uh, it is a summary rejection, again, of the morality of the antinomians that have come in to the churches where Jude is ministering and that they are teaching that certain aspects of immorality are permissible among God's people. Judas rejecting that. That's why he's told us uh, that there is a common deposit of the faith and that we are to keep ourselves in love for God. Uh, the question, of course, uh, from this text is how do we do that? Uh, we know what the imperative is, keep yourselves. Uh, we know the object of the keeping, in love with God, but how do we do that? Well, Jude's going to tell us in three participles that constitute the means in which we keep ourselves in love with God. The first participle that is a participle of means that tells us how is in verse 20. Build yourselves up on your most holy faith. Uh, the, uh, 
The verbal aspect of the, the participle embraces, this is quite obvious, uh, a construction metaphor. Uh, it's important for us to recognize that as uh, God's people, uh, we have a foundation. And that foundation, of course, is Christ and the apostles and the prophets. Uh, we do not build upon anything other than that foundation. Uh, if we do, we will be building uh, an edifice that does not belong to God. That the church must recognize that the foundation that is the very point of the structure upon which the church stands is, of course, Jesus Christ and the words of the prophets and the apostles. Let's look at one verse that speaks to this, Ephesians chapter 2 uh, and uh, verse, uh, verse 20. Having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. So, as a particular aspect of the worship of Grace Bible Church, uh, we give manifest attention to the person and work of Jesus Christ and to the words of the apostles and the prophets. What else would you build upon? I'm not sure, but I know that many churches are building on other things, and uh, there's an illustration of that in the Daily Oklahoman, Sunday edition, uh, just simply the way of man. We have a way of thinking, well, God has his way, but I'm a little bit smarter. I've got a little bit different of a foundation. I've got some different words that uh, maybe Paul wouldn't agree with, but that's Paul's problems. We think in those terms in this day, uh, but the scriptures do not. Uh, one foundation, one cornerstone, uh, the words delivered to us by the apostles and the prophets, uh, we uh, are not permitted to change. If we do, we are corrupting the very faith that is the essence of eternal life. That is what we build upon. Uh, you find another foundation, you should turn away from it and uh, return to that which once for all has been delivered to the saints. Uh, no other foundation. Uh, one of the ways that you should uh, examine any church, and certainly uh, Grace Bible Church, is do we give due attention to the words in Jude verse 3, the faith once for all delivered to the saints. Uh, the point uh, of Ephesians 2 is that we are growing the end-time, non-architectural temple of God inaugurated by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. look at a text that perhaps uh, sheds a little bit different light on this. First uh, Peter uh, chapter 2 uh, in verse 5. It's a wonderful reminder of that which you and I as Christians uh, are to be engaging in who we are and what we are uh, to be doing. Again, the text is First Peter uh, chapter 2 and verse 5. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood 
to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Something of a parallel that we are to keep ourselves in a holy faith. Uh, it's one of the, the aspects of Jude's words. We're to keep ourselves in a holy faith. Why is a holy faith so important? Because the church has been invaded in Jude's day, in our day, really in every day, and they bring a faith that is not holy. And so Jude is reminding us uh, what we're to be about. He's telling us how we're to be about it. And here is simply another description of who we are. We're living stones uh, being built upon a spiritual house as a holy priesthood. We're also something else in the words of Peter. Uh, we're the sacrifice. Uh, it is uh, uh, another reminder that we're built upon the foundation that is given to us. Uh, Jude is uh, using uh, a mixed metaphor uh, by describing us that we describing us as priests uh, in the church, as well as the sacrifice. Uh, in the Old Testament, the priests would bring the sacrifice. In the New Testament, the priests are the sacrifice in the sense that all we do act and think. We engage sacrificially for the glory of our great God. Uh, let's, uh, let's look at another description of this in uh, the words of the Apostle Paul, Acts chapter 20, in verse 32. It's a very parallel concept to uh, this brief epistle of Jude. Uh, the Apostle Paul is uh, at the church of Ephesus, He's a warning them of danger. He says to them, after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. He's telling the church it's going to be invaded, just like Jude has told the church that certain people have crept in unawares. But notice what he says in Acts chapter 20, verse 32. And now I commend you to God and to word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Uh, he's commending the church at Ephesus to the words of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ being the cornerstone. So a central aspect of any true church is one that gives due attention to the word of the grace of God, uh, that engages all of us in this construction metaphor to advance the glory of our great God until that glory covers the earth. Think about your life in that sense, that you are living stones being built upon a holy foundation and that in that building you are more than living stones, you're also priests. Uh, many churches have a different uh, class of people uh, in their boundaries that they refer to as priests. And my own understanding of 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5, all of us are priests. All of us offer service to God. And we are something else. We're the sacrifice. Uh, that we spend ourselves uh, for the glory of God to advance His Word. Uh, but the contrast of Jude and the contrast of the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 20 is false teachers who are bad builders 
who have the wrong foundation. It's a tragic illustration of this in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 27. Uh, Jesus uh, says, Blessed is the man who hears my word and who keeps my word. It's like a man who builds his house upon a rock. And the rains and the winds come and the floods uh, follow the rains and the winds and uh, that house stands. Why? Because it's been built upon the right foundation. Uh, it's based upon the Word of God. Uh, a Word of God that uh, engages uh, keeping the Word of God. And then there's the opposite, is there not? Uh, he speaks of a man who hears the Word of God, but who does not do it. So this is like a man who builds his house upon a sand. And the rains and the winds come, and the floods follow the rains and the winds, and... Uh, it destroys the house because it's built upon the sand. I would tell you as a Christian people, if you are not building your life upon the word of God and the words of the apostles and the prophets, then what you are doing is you're building your life upon sand. And the great judgment will come uh, captured in the metaphor of powerful flooding and your house will not stand, it will be swept away. It's like a picture we see every spring of great floods that occur. And eventually the floods overrun the banks of the rivers. Uh, great neighborhoods are flooded and some houses are toppled, ruined and destroyed. It's a picture of a life of a person who does not build his life upon the word of God, who does not see himself as living stones being built upon a foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus being the cornerstone. And so one of the ways that we keep ourselves in the love of God, again, is we build ourselves up on a holy faith uh, in our love for God. Building ourselves up on the right foundation. Following the basis of the cornerstone and holy faith. It is a reminder that uh, love for God is a passionate engagement, uh, but it shows. Uh, there's evidence to it. And the evidence here is keeping ourselves in love with God because He loved us first. The second participle is uh, praying in the Holy Spirit. Uh, again, uh, this is a means uh, to keeping ourselves in love for God. The first is building ourselves up in a holy faith. Second uh, way that we keep ourselves in love with God is we pray in the Holy Spirit. Uh, the battle rages in the church. It will always rage in the church. If the church at Ephesus was invaded by savage wolves, if the churches of which Jude has responsibility for uh, has been invaded by certain people who have crept in unawares, verse 4, Every church is going to be invaded. It's just simply the way that it is. The enemy seeks to destroy us by causing us to be conformed to the world and leaving the Word of God and leaving the cornerstone. And so we must continue to pray. Uh, again, it is a way in which uh, we keep ourselves in love with God. Uh, perhaps uh, the content is obvious. Uh, God uh, provoke me all the more each and every day to love you all the more, understanding 
the eternality of the love of God that loved me before time began. Imagine that. It is a thought so lofty, it really staggers our imagination that before we were even born, God loved us. Before our grandparents were even born, God set his eternal love upon us. It is a powerful reminder that that is one of the ways that we keep ourselves in love with God by rehearsing uh, his love for us. Uh, loving God and praying uh, by the power of the Spirit of God uh, that God uh, would uh, enable us to do his will, to be faithful, and when we are not, to repent and to confess and uh, to get up and to continue onward. Uh, it is uh, God's will that his temple, of which we are a constituent part, advance until it overtakes the creation in his glory covers the earth. Yeah. And so we give attention to the right foundation, to the cornerstone, and we pray in the Holy Spirit. Uh, I think, again, the means of the Spirit. That as a Christian, you know that when we come to church, uh, we pray together. But your prayer life should engage every day of the week. The danger is so pronounced you should have a vibrant prayer life every day of the week. Otherwise, you may become susceptible to the false teachers who will come into the church and seek to conform it after the image and culture of the world. Uh, the final means uh, that we keep ourselves in love with God, the final participle, the third, Series 3, uh, verse 31, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. Uh, this is how we keep ourselves in love with God. Uh, we wait anxiously for His coming. Uh, conjures up a picture of love in my own mind. Husband is a sailor. He goes to sea. Uh, the wife goes to the port to see him away. And every day until he returns, she waits anxiously for that day. Well, you and I are the bride of Christ. We wait for the coming return of our Savior who will rescue us. Uh, it's a great reminder uh, that we live in a world of unprecedented spiritual danger. And we are to wait for our Savior who will come and who will rescue us. I'll remind you again of the grace of God here. Now, one of my favorite reminders of this concept of rescue is in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1. And uh, there Daniel says that everyone whose name has been written in the book will be rescued. It's a reminder that in the eternality of the decrees of God, he knows the names of all of his people. That he has written their names in a book. Again, it's a figure of speech. God doesn't have a book. He knows everything. He doesn't need books. He doesn't need libraries. He doesn't read, need to read the Daily Oklahoman to find out what is going on in our world. He knows everything in one eternal event. And he knows his people. Remember what Daniel tells us about everyone whose name has been written in a book. They will be. 
rescued. Not maybe. Not maybe rescued. They will be rescued. Daniel, like the Apostle Paul to the Ephesian church, like Jude to his own churches, is writing of a time in which the people of God will be incredibly tested by people who will come in and change the law of God to be conformed to the words of the world. Uh, Daniel says God's true people will be rescued. Uh, and they will shine uh, brightly like the stars of the heaven. Uh, another favorite illustration of this in my own mind is uh, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. Uh, our citizenship is in heaven uh, from which we eagerly await the coming of our Savior who will transform the bodies of our humble estate into conformity with the body of his glory. That's why we eagerly await. We're awaiting glory. We're awaiting the final, last, great change of our bodies into everlasting, eternal glory in conformity with the body of the glory of Jesus Christ. That's why we wait. No other reason to wait. The majesty of our Savior, uh, who knows that we're surrounded, who knows that we are beset upon, who knows that we've been invaded, but that as we wait for Him, uh, He will come and change us radically. Uh, but keep in mind uh, the earlier part of that verse. Our citizenship is where? In the heavenlies. That's ultimately our home. That's where we desire to be. And as we're faithful, we will be. As we are rescued, we will be. That reminder that we, uh, we love God by building on the right foundation, the right words, uh, the right cornerstone. Uh, we keep ourselves in love for God by praying all of the time and waiting, waiting faithfully knowing that our rescue is at hand. Well, these, uh, uh, these are the people who are unaffected by uh, the false, uh, uh, false teachers. Jude now turns in verses 22 to 23 uh, to tell us how to respond to those who have been affected by the false teachers. Uh, it amounts uh, to a summons to a rescue operation. Uh, Jude's going to tell us what to do when we uh, see people who come under the purview of the false teachers, who begin to adopt their lifestyle and say there are certain aspects of morality which are permissible in the church of Jesus Christ. How do we respond to those who uh, come under that trance? That's what Jude is going to tell us. Uh, it is uh, emphatically, in my mind, one of the most difficult ministries that there is, namely warning people. Uh, it's a ministry that uh, doesn't go on very much in the church. It does in the New Testament, to be sure. Uh, but uh, Jude has uh, warned us of danger. Uh, now he's going to tell people who are unaffected by the false teachers how to respond to people who have been affected. Uh, it's an attempt to recover those we can. Inaction is surrender. Uh, this section is dominated by three imperatives. Let's look at the text. Verse 22. Have mercy on some that are doubting. 
It's a reference to people who are divided in mind, struggling to discern what is the right thing to do. How do I respond to false teachers who are telling me it is permissible uh, to live an immoral lifestyle? It's a cautionary note that we uh, are to be gentle with them. Uh, the Apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1, uh, those people who uh, are to try to provide corrections are you who are spiritual. Uh, it's a reminder that when you're engaged in a rescue operation from people who are in trouble, uh, you are to be spiritual. Another beautiful picture of this in Revelation chapter 2, uh, in verses 3 and 4. Have perseverance. Uh, you have perseverance, have endured for my name's sake, and have not grown weary, but I have this against you. You have left your first love. Sometimes in the midst of controversy, uh, we are tempted to become very dogmatic and very rigid. Uh, Jesus is reminding the church that we must continue in our love for Jesus Christ. It's easy to get rigid, but we must continue to love, especially to those who are doubting, who are wavering. We mount a rescue operation to them in the love of God. Secondly, we're to save others by snatching them from the fire. Uh, the imagery is quite pronounced, is it not? They have come under the influence of the false teachers, meaning that if they buy the teaching of the false teachers, they become liable to eternal judgment. We're to act before they consummate their commitment. This, uh, this warning uh, it really is, uh, is uh, everywhere uh, in the Scriptures. Uh, one uh, such reminder is the prophet Amos. Uh, Amos chapter 4, in verse 11. I overthrew you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, and you were like a firebrand snatched from a blaze, yet you have not returned to me. A number of other occasions in this uh, text, this chapter 4 of the book of Amos, uh, we find the repetitive phrase, yet you have not returned to me. That the church is returned to God and His Word, His cornerstone, uh, faithful preaching, uh, but the imagery here, uh, snatched like a firebrand from the fires of destruction. Uh, the firebrand is a conceptual allusion to the great story of Lot in Genesis chapter 19, verses 15 to 17. You know the story, but let's rehearse it momentarily. God from heaven sends a delegation to Sodom and Gomorrah to rescue Lot. Lot is a Christian. He lives in a terribly ungodly city. The angels go to him. They entreat him powerfully to leave the city. He's doubting. He's hesitant. They grab him by the hand and almost pull him out of the city and tell him to flee. He's like a firebrand being snatched from the fire before God destroys it 
in fire. Again, you can read the account in Genesis 19. We're like the angels. People come under the guise of false teaching. They become doubting. They sometimes move towards the false teaching that there are certain aspects of life that are entirely permissible before God when the scriptures clearly teach that it is impermissible. And we go like a rescue operation and snatch people like firebrands. Another uh, more pronounced allusion uh, to uh, this language in Jude is in the prophet Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 3, a beautiful story. We've uh, recounted uh, this on a couple of occasions. The context is the danger of the high priest. His name is Joshua. Uh, He is uh, clothed with filthy garments. He's also in danger because of the accusations of Satan, who's accusing him uh, before God. Uh, And God sends agents uh, to to rescue him. Uh, Zechariah chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and standing before the angel. And he spoke and said to those who were standing before him, saying, Remove the filthy garments from him. Uh, See, I've taken away your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you in festal robes. Uh, Again, he's he's in terrible danger. He has a powerful accuser in Satan, and he's clothed improperly, and God sends agents to rescue him. The antitype to this, again, uh, is in Jude. Uh, Men and women who've come under the influence of false teachers, uh, God dispatches agents from the church to try to recover them uh, before they come under the fullness of the guise of the false teaching. We know that some will be lost, do we not? Isn't that the point of Lot's, uh, Lot's wife? The angels tell Lot and his wife, do not look back. She looks back, and in a moment she's destroyed. Uh, you see, false teaching has terrible consequences. Uh, we sometimes give that short shrift. Uh, we say, well, it's really not that important. Uh, no, it's tragically important. The angels told Lot's wife what not to do. She did it anyway, and she was destroyed in a moment. Caught up in the judgment, it swept over her. Uh, Some are wavering and some are moving to the fire. Uh, The last group are engaged in the conduct enjoined by the false teachers as permissible. Again, verse 23. Save others, snatching them out of the fire, and on some have mercy with fear hating even the garments polluted by the flesh. They've fallen prey. They've bought the bait. Hooks in their mouth. Their garments are polluted. Uh, They've stained and polluted their garments like Joshua, the high priest, uh, before God rescues him. Uh, Our response is to have mercy on them with the fear of God, lest we come under their temptation and follow after them. You see, false teachers aren't just false teachers. They're recruiters for the wrong side. You join the wrong side, you're in trouble, regardless of the name on the building. It's teaching what defines us. It's the cornerstone. It's definitive. It's the garments that we are clothed in. It's evidentiary of the love of God to us in Christ. 
and we hate what sin has done to them. Uh, another way to uh, illustrate this warning is uh, the five churches in Revelation 2 and 3. Let's go back to Revelation chapter 3, verses 4 and 6. You have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments. They will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Not soil their garments. Not bought what the false teaching or peddlers, what the false teachers are peddling. Now, this is a warning to those who are compromising their faith, yet who have a vestige of a little bit of spiritual life. And so Jesus says to them, He who has an ear, let him hear. Respond, repent, confess, walk. Uh, with garments that are not soiled, and you will walk with me in white garments in eternity. Uh, the warning is meant to shock them out of their lethargy to repent because of the danger of not repenting. Uh, it's my own uh, conviction that uh, this concept of the church being invaded, whether it be church at Ephesus in Acts chapter 20, or the churches of which uh, Jude is writing in this brief epistle, is uh, ongoing today. The church is always being invaded. Uh, our enemy has agents who come in who try to spin that which is incorrect, uh, tries to lead the church astray so that the church, uh, again, will suffer tragic harm in judgment, much like Lot's wife. Reminded to us to take heed warning. Uh, one of the shortest sermons our Lord ever preached was in three words. Remember Lot's wife. She professed, but she disobeyed and she was swept away. I remember in the army uh, going through training and on occasion you'd have in uh, your platoon uh, pilots. Uh, occasionally you'd have a medevac pilot. Uh, Medevac pilots are kind of a special breed, in my own understanding, uh, because they were incredibly uh, brave, certainly during the Vietnam era. Uh, highly esteemed, because when a soldier was wounded, he needed someone to come quickly with haste and decisive action and to secure him away from the battlefield to take him to an aid station so he could receive proper medical care. Sometimes as Christians, it is given to us to mount a rescue operation because people are profoundly wounded and it is given to us to rescue them. It's like the fire department. The problem with that metaphor is that we call the fire department more often than not. Uh, more often than not, people who have come under the guise of false teaching don't have enough sense to know that they're in deep, profound trouble. Nevertheless, it's a part of the charge given to the church uh, to rescue those whose garments have been stained because of the danger that they're in. Uh, again, I remind you, it's a very difficult ministry to engage in. Uh, people don't like people coming to them, bringing to them uh, messages, reminding them that their lifestyle is contrary to the words of the living God to the majesty of the living Christ, to the promise and the hope of eternity in glorified bodies. But that's part of our charge. 
engage in such operations in fear and trembling. More often than not, you will be rejected emphatically, but nonetheless, uh, those who are spiritual uh, must go. There's a beautiful reference to men who have engaged in just this beautiful story. Uh, Daniel chapter 12. As a group of men, they're called wise men. Uh, uh, the, uh, the church, if you will, in uh, Daniel's day, uh, prophetically writing uh, by Daniel, uh, is, uh, has come under the, the guise, uh, Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, of smooth words, uh, of a man who comes with smooth words and he will turn to godliness, those who act wickedly towards the covenant. In other words, he's writing of the covenant people of God. And they've been entranced by smooth words, uh, by false peddlers, uh, to leave the faith and to deny the covenant that God made with them. Uh, there's a group of men that, uh, that try to keep them in the faith. Uh, look at uh, verse 33. And those who have insight, those who are wise, those who are spiritual, those who have insight uh, among the people will try to give understanding uh, to keep them from from uh, compromising their faith. That's the true church. I trust it, uh, reference, if you will, of your life. You, have wise, you are wise. You have understanding. You know the word. You know the cornerstone. You know the nature of our garments. You know the ministry that we're to undertake. Uh, the, the Hebrew word of these men is uh, the masculine. So we should aspire to be the wise peoples, uh, that we have wisdom, the danger of the church that's been invaded. Uh, they are written about in a very beautiful text in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 3. And those who have insight, same word as Daniel 11, those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven and those who lead the many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. That's our calling as the people of God, to turn people to righteousness because we have a measure of the wisdom, the deposit of the faith in the word of God. We know the cornerstone. We know the nature of our garments. We attempt to turn many people to righteousness and we will shine like the brightness of the stars forever and ever. It's our duty to turn people, to warn, uh, to remind. More often than not, our words will go unheeded, but uh, that is uh, not our responsibility. Uh, we simply take the message to be faithful to Christ, to be faithful to his word, to live the faith, to keep our garments unstained, Eating, waiting eagerly for the greatest rescue operation of all time when Christ comes for his church. And may we be, by God's grace, so numbered. So our response to danger is to continue doing the right thing and to attempt to recover those who are in harm's way. May God help us to do both keep doing the right things and to warn people who are in the way of danger 
And may God preserve and keep all of us for that greatest of all days when Christ comes to gather his people and to transform them into eternal glory. Worth believing, worth waiting for. May God help us that we do both.